You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, so this is a unique morning for me. You might not know the difference, but it is for me. I, um, I've had a word for this morning since Monday. And um, as I was putting pen to paper yesterday, the best way to describe it, I felt like I was pulling something up a hill that just needed to stay at the bottom of the hill. I started pulling it up, and I'm working. I'm trying to put, this is the best way to say it. This is what the Lord told me last night at about, I don't know, 11.30. As I was getting ready to lay down for bed, he's like, you're trying to build a sermon around a word. And I don't need a sermon around a word. I just need you to release the word. It's like, got it. Okay. It's like, so scrap your notes and then go to bed. It's like, okay, that's a, it's not a good recipe for me to get any sleep because I don't know what we're about to talk about. Um, but I do have some things that have been pressing on my heart um, for several weeks now. And so we're just going to give the Lord the freedom to say whatever he needs to say in this time. And if we're here for a while, then we're here for a while, but if it's quick. Um, but we'll be in here however long we need to be in here. There's no notes up here. I don't know where we're going. Um, but I do know this. Just to touch base on what we talked about last week. That Isaiah 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. But we cannot see that. We cannot experience that. Again, the Lord has used Exodus over and over and over again to remind us and to show us the similarities of where the Israelites were when they were fleeing from Egypt. And they were before the water, before the parting of the Red Sea. He's trying to show us the similarities of where they were then and where we are now. But we will never see, and this was the word, the fresh perspective that he'd he had brought, we've talked about that passage in Exodus over several weeks. And I, every time I think we're done with it, we come back to it. And that's, that's the Lord. So if you've got a problem with it, it's on Him. You can talk to Him about it. But what He showed us was as the Israelites are complaining and, and, and upset about how difficult their circumstance is. Now, again, recognize the difficulty of the circumstance hadn't even really gotten there yet. They had an army chasing them that was ready to destroy them. That army had not yet gotten to them, and they were already defeated. And he was showing us, do you not understand that is what will be your perspective if you are looking at what was instead of what is to be? If we are looking, and this specifically, if we are looking back at the sundown that used to be, we will never see the sundown that the Lord is building. And if the Israelites had stayed facing the army that was coming to kill them, they would have missed the miracle behind them. And the Lord is challenging us because you cannot tell. Since I've been here, we're going on eight years. Yeah, that's what we'll say. We're going on eight years here. This community has changed drastically. It looks very, very different. There are some of us that refuse just some of us in this community to, to refuse to accept that it's changed at all. Same sundown. Nope, nope. Same sundown. Just closing our eyes and ignorant to it. I refuse. Right? 
That's why we have uncomfortable conversations when we tear down buildings that haven't been used in 30 years. Because they still, no, that building was functional. That building was cool. Could have been restored. It was restored into its original form of wood in a pile. So technically I did it. I restored that plot of land to its original look. So we are in the restoration business. If anybody wants to argue, just use that. Because that plot of grass didn't used to have a building on it. Anyways. But it's, it's almost like a sickness in our community and in so many communities. I see communities now that are desperately trying to hold on to the small town that they used to be, and that small town is getting ripped out of their hands, and it is painful to watch because they refuse to see what the Lord is trying to create, what it's trying to build, and they will, they will vanish. What used to be the great things about this community, the things that have been, the things that were founded, that existed when this group of people started a church in 1938, those things that were founded and were laid as a foundation will be lost if we refuse to allow the Lord to build something new upon them. The whole foundation will crumble. We must allow Him to build something new. And our perspective will always be wrong if we are facing in the wrong direction. No duh, right? What happens again, we used this example last week, what happens again if I'm constantly staring out my window driving a car this way? I'm going to turn that way. I'm going to hit the curb. I'm going to run stop signs. I'm speaking from personal experience. First day of driver's ed was rough. I didn't think there was going to be a second day because I had a hard time. I was like a dog looking at squirrels. <laughs> and so I'm telling you from my own perspective, if we continue to look at the things we are not meant to look at, we will unfortunately navigate ourselves towards those things that God has not intended for us to navigate them towards, to navigate ourselves towards. What if, for example, we simply looked at having this building as full as it once was, fuller. And I only looked at that. You best believe the next Sunday the Spirit of God would not be here. Because I would begin to tailor everything that left my mouth so that the seats would be full. No truth. Truth would be irrelevant at that point in time. Freedom would be irrelevant. Changing people's lives, introducing them to the kingdom of heaven that they were meant for would become irrelevant as long as they felt a little bit better. As long as they could say at the end of it, man, that was a good sermon. Whether you say that or not, most of you will say that to me and it's very encouraging because I know your hearts and you're not grading me the whole time, but you're speaking of how the Lord impacted you in a word. And that's incredible and that's beneficial for me. It's uplifting for me. But if I began to tailor our services, listen, people, I've been at churches where every song was on a schedule to the second of when we would finish that song and when we would start the next one, even the impromptu prayers through, through the worship set, Jade prayed through that worship set, I've been at churches where that prayer was planned. And I've felt no life in those churches. And I'm not trying to dog those places, I'm just trying to point us to the to the reality that if we fixate on that which God has not called us to focus on, looking back at the army that is coming and trying to figure out a way to avoid it and to change it and to make it better, we will always miss the miracle that is behind us. The miracles that 
are waiting for us, that if we would just move forward, as God said, we would find ourselves at the edge of this water, and he would simply say, stretch out your hands, stretch out your staff, and we would see miracles beyond our wildest dreams. But we have to find ourselves in those places, and we cannot find ourselves in those places if we are continuing to look backwards. And we will always miss the new thing that is springing forth before us if we are looking in the wrong direction. That's what we talked about last week. And this week, I just had a, I, I've had a question on my mind all week. And uh, the, the question is simply this. Are we making space for Him to consume us? Is there space for Him in your life? Is there space for Him to show you how he wants you to build this community, to build this work of God that he's anointed us to do. We've talked about this over the last several weeks. In this season, we can clearly see that we are to be the builders of a house that the generation after us will dwell in. We are to be the ones that construct it. I've been thinking about this a lot. There's a lot of houses going up. You drive in Lubbock, you see new houses all over the place. And we really, as a society, for some reason, we, we don't hold construction workers very highly. We, we kind of think of them down here as just a construction worker. One, they do a lot of stuff I can't do, and they do it very simply and organically, but at the same time, they're building a house that they'll never dwell in that will be for someone a safe haven. It will be a place where they have treasured and wonderful memories, where they have heartbreak, where they have turmoil, where they work through things as a family, where there's growth, where there's separation, where there's new life, where there's life taken. That will all exist in this house that they build that they will never dwell in. And the Lord has said that that is ours to do. He has asked us if we are willing to be those that would build a house that we may never dwell in. To be those that would plant a tree that we know we will never sit in the shade of. Are we willing to do it? Because the generation after us will get to sit under that tree. Is that not worth it? We may never see the dead raised, but if we can build as God has showed us to build, maybe our children will raise the dead. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. John the Baptist was a builder. A builder for the Son of God. You tell me, is there not a better task to be given to be the one that prepares the way for a move of God to come after? And that's what he's called us to do. That's what he's anointed us for. That's what he's called us into. But we not only have to have fresh perspective, correct perspective, facing the right direction, but we also have to have space for him to do what he needs to do in our lives when he needs to do it. Do we make space for him to do these things? Now, I'm, we, we get this confused sometimes when I say make space. We start thinking about, well, I need, to, I need to schedule space for God. That's not what I'm talking about. You, you have to go to work. You have to do the things that are assigned to you. You have to be a parent. You have to pick up your kids from school. There's, there's all these things that are in your life, and you may be very, very busy. Some of these things, the Lord may be telling you to drop you need to be done with it but some of these most of these things I I believe for a lot of us excuse me a lot of us in here are things that are for us to do we're busy we're supposed to be busy I've I'm busy I could quit everything and I would still be busy I don't know how but children do that 
They create work for you. It's miraculous. But I'm busy, and I know the Lord is not trying to tell me to be less busy, and sometimes I need to protect my time better, and I know that to be true, but that's for myself. But he's not saying, quit this, quit that, quit that, quit that, quit that. He's asking, will you make space for me in those places? That when you go to work, does he have the space, does he have the freedom to move when he needs to move? Does he have the space in your story that when you go to the grocery store, if he needs to build something there, you'll build something there with him? When you go to work, if he needs to build something, will you build it there? Or does he only have space to do what he needs to do when you come here on a Sunday? Because we know that, that ain't going to cut it. We have too many people in this world that are Christians on Sundays. We need Christians Monday through Saturday as well. We need people that are willing to walk in obedience all the days of the week, not just some of the days. We need people that are willing to give God the space in everything they do, not in just some things that they do. And what that will look like is some things the Lord will say, you need to stop doing that. Because it is, it is creating clutter. Clutter that I cannot get through. But the Lord is also, it's important to remember he's a gentleman and he will not go where he is not invited. And if you are not allowing him, if you do not want him in these places, he's not going to just go and force himself in these places. You are his vessel. You are his hands and feet that he would be carried with you. But we have to be willing for him to come in there with us. So will we make space for him? Are we willing to make space for him? Because it is impossible to do what is next at 1045 on a Sunday till noon. It's impossible. It's impossible to do what is next in that short amount of time because the people that we're to build the kingdom of God around are not here. It's a shocking moment. But they're not here. The people that need Jesus are not here. They're there, and they were never meant to just be here and come to us. We're meant to go to them. But you've got to make space that when the Lord needs you to go to them and says that it's time for you to go to them, no matter where you are, you're willing to do it. Amen? Amen. And this is the other thing. I didn't know how they were connected until Jay started singing um, this morning and and putting this set together. I, I, I enjoy our practice as a worship team because the Lord will always add or take away or he just very clearly formulates a set list that needs to be for this morning. And Jay has no idea what has been on my heart all week. No idea. For two weeks this has been on my heart. I thought it was going to be a separate sermon, but the Lord just said to speak it today. Um, But that last song of nothing is impossible for you. I want, to sh- I want to read just very quickly what has been on my heart for the last several weeks. It won't be on the screen. Again, I didn't know what we were going to talk about until about two seconds before I got up here. But He would feed you. This is, this is Psalm 81, verse 16. But He would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Honey from the rock has been the most profound, it has consumed my mind over the last several weeks. Honey doesn't come from a rock. If you didn't know that, you now do, you're welcome. 
All right, Science 101, that's not where honey comes from. If you want to, that's 102, it tells you where honey comes from. But honey from the rock that will satisfy you. What is the Lord saying there? I will bring what will satisfy, what will be sweet, what will be nourishing, what will be more than enough. If you have nothing, the Lord is speaking that I will give you more than enough because honey is a luxury. Honey is a luxury in all things. It's a, it's a luxury now. I don't know if you know this, but honeybees are endangered. So there's a ticking time of when honey won't be a thing that people know anymore. That's kind of crazy. Anyways, moving on from that sad reality. Honey is still a luxury to this day. It was a luxury back then. And he's saying, I will bring even the luxurious things. But he won't just bring them to you from places that they're supposed to come from. He will bring them from places where they are not meant to exist. Do you hear that? He will bring what will satisfy and what will be more than enough from places that they are not meant to come from. Does that not sound like sundown Texas? Does that not sound like the last 13 years of teaching out of this house that the Lord is going to do in this place that which the world would say cannot be done in this place? That's what he said. And honey from the rock. And I've had this on my mind all, all week and just last night. He, he had me read a little bit more of this passage and that's what we're going to do now. In verse 8, Hear, O my people, I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. It's important to remember that if the Israelites had not turned and had not moved forward in obedience, they would have been destroyed by an army. There are consequences when we do not listen. And the Lord's begging us, begging us to just listen to him and do what he said. It's, he's not trying to make this complicated. We don't have to do anything beyond our capabilities, but listen and obey. But there, we have a hard time with this in, in our Christian culture that there are natural consequences to disobedience. We kind of think there should be no consequences because now I got Jesus. But you can have Jesus and still steal a car and still go to jail. And you can tell that cop, but I have Jesus. You'd be like, cool, have Jesus in there. Consequences are the consequences. We deal with this. I have children. That, that's one of the things I have to teach them regularly. Is that the consequences are the consequences. A lot of it is, you know, things like don't run in the house. Don't, 
do this. Don't try to do that. You're going to get hurt. And they do it anyways. And then what happens? They get hurt and they're always surprised. I never saw that coming. Like I just told you two seconds ago. We have, you know him. His name's Kai. He's our child that says, don't touch the pan, it's hot. Screams, cries, that was hot. Like I just told you. That's how we are with the Lord. It's so ridiculous. He's like, turn and move forward. But then the consequences come because we don't turn and move forward. And then we're like, what happened? He's like, you didn't listen. Turn and move forward. I would much rather... And I know I'm not from here. I didn't grow up here. So many of you have seen this town change. And have, I mean, there are so many that have lived most of your life, if not your entire life, in this community. But I would much rather see a new sundown that the Lord is building that has never existed before than to see something repeat itself. Because you know what also repeats itself? If we try to reconstruct and recreate that which existed in our past, the good things, right? When, when we go through memories and we go through times, we'll remember. You know, I think about this. I'll talk to my friends about it. I was talking to one today, catching up with an old uh, college buddy of mine. We were talking about how great college was and how we had such great times. It was so fun. And it was. And we were talking about a lot of times before I met Sarah. It's like, man, it was fun. Single guys just running around being stupid. And yeah, we had great times. But I also remember the severe and dark and depressing loneliness that was there. But we don't remember those times when we're reminiscing. We just remember the good things. But if we're focusing on this sundown that existed, guess what will come with that? The despair, the heartbreak the turmoil, the things in your past that you've left in your past, but if you start focusing on your past again, those things are still there waiting for you. And they will come right back. We can't just remember the good times without the bad. There are, there are, there are hard things that there are a lot of people in our community, they want to move past. They don't want to go back to. I'm one of them. I've only been here for seven to eight years, I don't want to go back to who I was and the things I went through my first year here. I don't. I don't want to experience that sundown again because there's a lot of difficult lessons that were learned back there and I pray to God I don't have to learn them again. But we must fix our eyes on Jesus. We must turn as He has called us to turn that we could step forward, that we could see the breakthrough that He has for us. If we would just walk to the shore, if we would just walk to the edge of the water, there is a miracle waiting for us there. And this is one of the things He spoke last night as I laid in bed. Again with... Honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. There are a lot of you that just see rocks and see no, no fertile ground, no way to be satisfied, no way to be nurtured. But there is a rock, there's a circumstance, there's something in your story. But the Lord desires to bring honey from that rock. Anoint what would be barren and what would be useless and what would be a hard place and a difficult thing. The Lord wants to bring honey from that place. And I think of sundown. I can't escape it. I think of the circumstances that so many people are in. I think of the circumstances that we as a community are in. Everything 
about tomorrow is uncertain. There's not a thing that is solid anymore. The one thing so, uh, so profound to me when I first moved here that was so solid, it was set and, and you couldn't shake it and people just held it up with such high esteem was that school across the street. But that school is changing drastically. I'm not saying it's a bad place. I'm not saying anything negative about it. But it is not the same sundown it was eight years ago. It's just not. There's funds getting ripped away. There's people that are retiring. And there's no funds to hire people back. I mean, that, commu- that school is changing. And it's shaking. The Lord, and the Lord has allowed it to shake. Because that is, not to meant, that is not meant to be our strong foundation, the thing, our guiding light, the thing that reflects the community. That's not meant to be it. It's meant to be found in the people in here that pursue the heart of God. It's meant to be the heartbeat of this community. So the Lord has made everything that is an idol. We don't like that word, but it's true. He's allowed it to shake. That we would see it is not solid and it is not dependable. Everything has a time limit. Except the grace and love of God and the work of the kingdom. Everything else is expendable. Everything else will expire. It's important to remember that. But the Lord has said, even in this hard time, in these uncertain places, that I will bring honey from the rock. And that is so encouraging to me. I hope you hear this encouragement. That's what it's meant to be. So please hear it, that this is to be encouraging that the rock that is in your story, there will, bring, there will come honey. You have only listened to God. That's all He wants you to do. Listen. And He has told us to turn, to behold a new thing that He is doing that is springing forth before us. Turn and behold it. Turn as the Israelites did, away from the army chasing them to see the miracle that was waiting for them. There's a miracle waiting for you. There are profound things in our story. If we are willing to turn, he will bring honey from the rock. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.